0: Again, good morning and welcome. Glad you're here uh, today. My name is Nathan. I'm the campus pastor here. Uh, it's great to be together. It's great to enter into this time of, of study as we enter in uh, for a few weeks here in the book of Psalms. Let me, let me pray for us, ask God to speak, um, and we'll, we'll look at his word together. God, we are here uh, together because we, um, we believe that you continue to speak to us. Uh, God, we reach out, um, longing for you also to reach out to us. And so God, I pray that even as we look at these words, I pray that, um, that my words would fade and that your words would shine forth from your word this morning, that we would hear from you. God, we praise you that you continue to speak from this book so old, uh, as well as through your spirit alive within all who trust in you. And so be with us now, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, a couple of years ago, I uh, visited... Uh, One particular inmate, um, on on a regular basis, and I had never never met this individual um, prior to this this time, Uh, but his family had asked me to do so. And so for about a year, I I visited county jail um, maybe once or or probably twice a month um, during during that time period. And I don't know if you've ever uh, have ever been to jail. you know, whatever. Uh, it's an experience. Um, but, but essentially, you know, I, I would go in and kind of go through the, the waiting room area, and I'd, I'd enter through security, uh, you know, which makes the TSA look like a pleasant experience, and, and leave, leave my own, like, personal belongings behind. I'd walk through this long institutional hallway, uh, and then I would make what amounted to nothing more than a phone call with terrible audio uh, looking at the individual through a cheap video screen. That, that was it, right? Um, Nothing, I mean, it was like, uh, not, not like you see in the movies, you know, it was like a really bad version of FaceTime, uh, but with all the comforts of jail, right? Um, that, that's, that, that was the experience, and that was all that it was, and we did this for a year, that was, that was our relationship, and so honestly, to this day, I've still never actually seen him. Uh, I've never actually heard his voice, not, not really, not, not in person. And you, you can imagine, right, the challenges that that would be in, in developing a a relationship. Now imagine those, those same conversations, but, but take away the video screen, okay? Uh, and, and take away the audio. And what you're left with is a lot of what prayer feels like for many of us most of the time. What you're left with is nothing. Now, all of us pray, right? I mean, honestly, studies have been shown it's a u- nearly universal phenomenon that almost every person in every place of the world, every culture, every religious background, including non-religious people, almost everybody on the planet at some point or another prays, reaches out to some sort of, sort of higher power. So all of you, I think, pray, right? Uh, the trouble is almost none of us feel good about it, right? I-, I mean, we either, if you're like me, you either feel guilt about how little you do it right? That's, damn. should really pray more. Um, or you feel also a little bit like me, like you just, what is it worth, right? You spend all that time, it's just kind of boring, that, things don't seem to happen like you necessarily want them to, and, and we struggle, right? In some ways, it, it feels a, a little bit like, you know, crying out, God, we, just, we just ask, right? Am, is anybody listening? Don't we wonder? I mean, I'm not alone here, right? For many of us, this is this is a normal part of our experience. Every other relationship we have, every other conversation with someone who who talks back, right? Who who we can see and, and touch, and then there's this relationship, and he often seems so silent. Well, let me let me tell you one of the main reasons why I think we struggle. At least at least why I struggle in, in connecting with this being who is who is other. I think it's because we, we miss out on a really, really important truth. The truth that we see here in, in this text is a truth that if we actually, if I actually grabbed onto, it would change, would change everything. You see, we cry out to a God who cries out to us. We cry out to a God who cries out to us. In fact, he is the one who began the conversation. And, and so we're not, we're not waiting for him to text back. He's, he's waiting for us, in fact, there's this verse in the New Testament that makes me think of this. It, it says that, that we love God because he first loved us. I think the same is true of prayer. We speak to God because he has first spoken to us. Kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, Michelangelo's famous painting the Sistine Chapel. It's such a familiar one, the creation of Adam, right? And you see them reaching out together. And I, I think deep down, many of us realize that that is sort of our existential experience, right? Reaching out to this being who is beyond us. But as I look at that painting, I just wonder who, who do you think was to reach out first? Who made the first move? The reality is, if you want to connect with God, you can call it a relationship, call it prayer, call it a conversation, call it whatever. But if you want to connect with the God who made you, this is where it starts. Not with us, but with Him. Not with our needs or our, our wish list, right? The things that we really would like for him to do it doesn't start there. It starts with a God who's already spoken. And this, I think, this changes everything. To know that we're not sort of the isolated one reaching out, to know that we're not alone on this endeavor, even though it feels that way, right? And we often struggle. He has already reached out to us. And, and so this morning, we, we began a new, a new study together. In our most ancient prayer book, the Psalms, it's a collection of of poems, of uh, of prayers, of songs written out so long ago. And you see, humans have been wrestling with this, wrestling with with connecting with God since the very beginning. And this collection of of prayers was written over a span of a thousand years, anywhere from 25 to 3,500 years ago. Ancient prayers that teach us how to cry out we're calling these, these next several weeks to study together, are you listening? Because in so many ways, I mean, I love that question. That, that is our question to God all the time, isn't it? God, are you, are you, are you there? Are you actually listening? And yet we are convinced that, that is also God's question for us. Hey, Nathan, are you listening? Hey, church, are you listening? And so the Psalms, as we, as we look at them, they are raw, unfiltered conversations with God. They cover the full range of human experience and emotion, sometimes brutal and sometimes beautiful, everything in between. And there's there's no place, I mentioned this last week, there's no place in my Bible more worn. There's no place where I turn to more often uh, to know how to worship God. But even more than that, in the midst of my sadness and fear and loneliness and anxiety, they cover the full range. And I often make these ancient prayers mine because they continue to speak and they continue to give resonance in my soul. Now, the Psalms don't give us a formula for prayer, like a perfect how-to, you know? It doesn't work that way. Every prayer is as unique as the individual praying and as unique as the circumstances in which they flow out. They don't give us a formula, but the Psalms give us the posture for prayer. They give us the way in to this, this communion, this longing for a relationship, this desire to actually have a conversation with someone who is beyond us and so we've, we've got a lot to learn over these next few weeks but if there's one thing you grab onto both this morning and and really this entire study together if there's one thing at all i hope it's I hope it's this we cry out to a god who cries out to us for this morning we begin with both psalm one and two now, now we heard we heard them read just a moment ago. If you want to turn there, if you want to follow along in your Bibles, it's not too hard to find. It's like right smack dab in the middle of our scriptures uh, is the book of Psalms. And we're in in Psalm uh, chapter one and two this morning. Uh, Now, an important thing to keep in mind as we look at the Psalms is that the Psalms is an edited book. Okay, that means it doesn't take place chronologically, right? They're not written in the order, or uh, they don't appear in the order in which they were written or in the order in which they were happened. That over a course of centuries, editors put them together, uh, structured them, structured the book in such a way to help us connect with God. I mean, that that is their purpose. They're not simply these isolated prayers. They are designed in such a way to help us in our own walk, in our own relationship. And they have done so for for believers for, for millennia, right? And so ironically, Psalm 1 and 2, where we're beginning this morning, they aren't actually prayers in this ancient prayer book. Uh, Instead, they are considered and have been considered for centuries as as more of the gateway into a life of communion. They're the beginning point. The place where where each of us must, must start. While we tend to want to start with ourselves don't we? Our needs, right? My desires, the things I'm, I'm wishing God would do, or, or even my own, my own personality. All of those things, that's where we tend to start. That's not where this book begins. Not with us, but with God. And these two psalms give us our starting point. There's something crucial in each of them for us as we get, begin this journey of, of longing to connect with our creator. First, in Psalm 1, we'll see this. We have to believe, we must acknowledge that we have a God who speaks. That, that we're not just merely sitting back, waiting, wondering, but he, he has taken the initiative. You've got to begin there. And then in Psalm 2, we'll see the other thing. That Not only does God speak, God laughs. Which might sound a little, a little strange, but we'll, we'll get there in a moment. God speaks, God laughs, and these two things provide the gateway into a life of communion with God. Okay, so first, let's, let's work through these. First, God speaks. We communicate with a God who has already spoken and, and who continues to speak to us today through his word uh, and through his spirit alive and well within each who, who, person who believes. So he isn't absent. He's not silent. He has initiated with us. I mean, even if you just think about it, right, look at all that we have, right? He has given us many words, uh, many ideas communicating his truth to us. And so Psalm 1, for example, Psalm 1 paints a picture in in a very poetic way of these two paths, right? You kind of envision them, right? You walk down and you can see the the division of the two. There's the way of the the wicked and there's the way of of the righteous. And verse 1 of Psalm 1, it says, blessed is the man or or woman, right? And and for blessed, think satisfied or, or happy. Satisfied is the one who walks not in the counsel of the wicked or stands in the way of sinners nor sits in the seat of scoffers but his delight is in the law of the Lord in Old Testament the law refers to all of all of scriptures and on his law he meditates day and night and so for so for example how does a child learn to speak by listening right I mean, really, there's there's very few other options. That's where it has to begin with with listening, beginning to understand language in that way. And that's what the psalmist is pointing us to, that we we learn the same way, right? We either learn the language of scoffers, it's saying, like from the wicked, right, from going down that one particular path, the, the language of the world around us. But they, he says, they are they're like chaff. That's the that's the worthless part of the grain, the part that just blows away. It's nothing, it's meaningless. Or we learn the language of God from his word. To meditate on his word both day and night. What does that mean? Well, the Hebrew word there for meditate really just means to mumble or to to like to mutter these words under your breath. Because even you think historically, right? Back in in the day when these words were written, the majority of people were illiterate, right? Right? and so they couldn't read, and even, even if they could read, it would be very rare to have your own copy of a whole lot of the scriptures. You might have a couple of verses, a couple of sections, but everything had to be handwritten, right? This is pre-printing press, and so for them to, to meditate means to, to put them inside, right? To grab onto them, and not just to memorize them, but to chew on them. To think about how they, what they mean, and how they um, how they push us to, to live, what they reveal about God and about myself and about the world in which He's, he's created, and then to live according to them, right? To, and to keep chewing on them. That person, the one who delights there, whose joy, whose satisfaction is found in the words of God, that person's like a tree. I mean, I love trees, right? The beauty, the power, the provision. not just any tree, a tree planted by streams of water, I mean, that, that tree will flourish, right? That, that tree will bear fruit. That, that tree is who I want to be. God speaks. He, he has spoken to us, and he continues to speak to us. I mean, this, this means if you want to connect with him, if you want to pray, if you want any sort of relationship with a being outside of yourself, outside of the, the normal human experience, this is where we've got to begin. You have to start with his words, not yours. With, with who he is, not, not who I am. See, I'm, I'm convinced as I've been thinking about this recently that one of the biggest problems with how we pray, how I pray, right? One of the biggest struggles... Um, I think the reason why we get so bored, right, or frustrated, or feel like it's pointless, or we just don't, right, completely, I think honestly it's because I come to God so often enamored with myself, enamored with my problems, my desires, with who Nathan is, rather than enamored with the God who invites me to come to him, the one who holds the whole world in his hands, who has set in motion a plan to, to redeem me and to redeem all of humankind in this 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 world and so our prayers my prayers end up sounding a lot like a a kid's letter to santa claus don't they i mean if you really think about it deep isn't that what it sounds dear god i've been really good this year That's kind of how they began. At least that's sort of our background thought. We feel like we've earned enough to be able to approach them because we're decent people. And and God, it'd be great. Can I just, I'll take a a raise at work, you know, a better marriage, uh, perfect kids, um, and a healthier body. Thanks, and, you know, don't let the door hit you on the way out, right? If we're honest, that's probably about the gist of it for many of us. I mean, is it any wonder? Is it any wonder we get bored or just give up when our prayers are so enamored with me? Now, of course, it's okay to make requests of God. I mean, absolutely it is. In fact, I mean, God tells us to to bring a request to him and we can with joy ask God, the God of the universe who made everything to intervene in our stories and he delights to do so. But when we start with ourselves, we end up praying to the God that we just simply imagine rather than the God who is. Because right? the God we imagine is a lot like Santa Claus and, and does respond in those kinds of ways and we, we cut out the God who actually is living and breathing. Or, or we just end up coming to God to get stuff rather than to get God. Don't we? And the trouble is, if we just come to God to get stuff, uh, he doesn't always give us stuff. And, and so we leave discouraged or disappointed when we don't get what we came for. And we, we think, if I don't get anything out of this, then why do I bother even coming, right? And you sort of be like, if I told my wife, Kelly, you know, I'm only gonna talk to you. I decided, this is a new rule, right? I'm only gonna talk to you when I directly benefit from it. It's just, it's not gonna work, is it? Why, why do we think that we can approach the God of the universe So self-centeredly, ask yourself, man, I ask myself this often, this question frightens me, do I want God or do I want his gifts? Like if I had to choose, do I want that thing with my kids to be okay or do I want God? Which do I, which do I want? Do I want a, a healthy, satisfying life or do I want God? Which, which, which am I actually coming for when I come to him? And when we start with his words to us, knowing that this is a conversation he began, not us, when we start with his words, we meet a real person. I know, it's not the same as a face-to-face. Sometimes even a lousy Skype call sounds a lot better, doesn't it? And yet he has opened the door wide for us. And so as you pray, whatever that looks like for you, and hopefully we'll give some handles along the way here, but allow your reading of scripture to fuel your prayers. In fact, I don't, I don't think you can pray if you're not reading scripture, not really. <laughs> I mean, you can, right? And We all do, right? And we, we cry out, oh, God, help me, right? And we, we do that, but allow scripture, what God has already spoken, res- respond to him, right? It's, it's, think of it as a conversation. Start, start there. Start with His words. And if you're, if you're new at this and you're just trying to figure out, how do, we, how do I pray? How do I engage with this God? Um, I'd encourage you to jump into our Open Here daily Bible reading plan. It's very simple. We've got these bookmarks out in the lobby. You can grab one. If you sign up on our website, um, we'll just email it to you, uh, a chapter a day for you to just to chew on. Um, and during our, our series here, uh, the majority of those readings will be in the Psalms. And it's one of the best places for us to learn how to pray. Because they are raw and they are honest prayers that people have gone to for centuries for hope. God has spoken. And, and not just theoretically, right? Not just out there somewhere. God has spoken to you, to me. He has already told us. He's already told you the things he wants most for you. He, the, the things that are, that are most important for me. He's already, he's already told us who he is and 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 who I am deep down and what his plans are for the entire world. He's told us. And now we get to respond to him. Prayer and scripture have got to go hand in hand. It doesn't, it doesn't mean you have to, to read your Bible every time you pray. It's not, it's not that. But when you pray, it ought to be saturated with what you know God has already said. God has spoken. Start with his words, not yours. And when we do that, when we begin to take his words seriously and actually believe deep that this God has spoken to us and continues to speak to us, then when we get to Psalm 2, this other sort of pillar on the gateway into a life of communion, we see not only does, does God speak, God laughs might be a little bit of a strange concept for some of us to think about God laughing it's hard to even imagine or picture right and maybe you're even confused how does that have anything to do what does that have to do with, with prayer but you know i'm convinced as i've studied this this chapter this week uh, these these places of scripture uh, the belief in a god who laughs that changes me it changes everything and so even if you were to think of these, these two Psalms, okay, Psalm 1 and, and 2, right, this, this pathway, this gateway into a life of communion, uh, Psalm 1, in, in many ways, paints a picture of what ought to be, a forest full of trees, right, delighting in God and his presence and his, his words to us. The world as it ought to be. Psalm 2 paints a picture of the world that is, and it's broken, it's ugly. I don't think it's accidental that these two Psalms are put together like this. Because that's where we live. We feel the pain around us. Even if you think about it, right? The context in which Psalms was written, it was in a world, frankly, not unlike Mad Max, okay? If you know that, that series, that, that movie, it's a place where power is everything. It's tribal, it's brutal, uh, it's demanding, and everyone is fu- Whoever's in charge makes all the rules, and whatever the rules are, they defend those who are in charge, right? That's, that's the world of, of, of the Psalms, an ugly an ugly place. Of course, we've evolved so much, right? I mean, there's still so much abuse, so much struggle, heartache, pain, disappointment, loneliness, shame all around us, mistakes abound, and it may, it may not be like that, and yet we all know, right? It doesn't, you don't have to be that smart to realize our world is broken. You're broken. You know that, don't you? something just isn't quite right and so it's in this brutal world ours that psalm 2 was written let me let me read the start of it again for us we heard these words a moment ago let me read the psalmist says why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain the kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, his, his king, his, his people saying, let us burst their bonds and cast away their cords from us. I mean, for them, these were literal rulers, literal kings surrounding them as God's people saying, we are coming to get you. We are stronger and we're gonna take everything you have. We're gonna, we're gonna rape your women. We're gonna murder your children. We're gonna, that's what we're gonna do for you. Now for us, different context, right? We're not not facing literal kings, and yet the troubles around us rage on, don't they? And the people's plot in vain. Maybe maybe you just think about the violence in our world, right? You flip on the news and you see it, and it just frightens you. Or maybe you've been following all this, this latest, just, I don't know, pain, garbage, whatever you want to call it with Planned Parenthood. Have you ever following, some, I mean, just the, the, the blatant disregard for life within our culture? Or maybe it's stuff around, around gay marriage or, or racial injustice that continues to be prevalent even, even in our society. Or maybe it's not even just the big stuff. Maybe you look at the battle in your own home, right, and you see it there, or the battle that's going on inside your body, or the body of those you love. Maybe it's your colleagues at work, your friends or your old friends that you thought you had. And the fears and the disappointments and the worries, they just they suck all the life right out of us. For some of you this morning, for some of you it feels like everything evil is conspiring against you. You feel surrounded. You feel as if everything, at, at some, it's all just gonna collapse. And whether it's your own mistakes or just living in a broken world, you, you feel it. And we cry out. Uh, God, what are you doing? Don't you see? God, don't you care? Won't you act? And according to the psalmist, God laughs. But not at us. Not at his people. I mean, don't, don't, don't think that for a moment, but at everything wicked that surrounds us, at everything that wants to destroy us. Look what it says in verse 4. He who sits in the heavens, that's, that's almighty God. He who sits in the heaven heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, as for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. You know, I've been a, I've been a Christian for a while. And one of the things when I stop and think about it that just continues to overwhelm me, to shock me is that this this God that that we worship, the one that we follow, that he has never, never once been worried. How much of my life is spent in worry and anxiety? Never once, never. he's never once ever been surprised. Never, never caught off guard never was there like oops you know never how many times how much of my life how much of your is spent in those areas but never for this god and yet when he looks at the tragic things the brutal things he laughs not not at us not at our pain but more of a, in a way that says you think you're going to destroy my people you th- <laughs> you think you're going to have the last word in their story you think you're coming for them i'm coming for you is what our god says And if you see him laughing, if you see it. I'm currently reading uh, Harry Potter to the kids, at least the the early books, they're still pretty young. Um, And we're we're reading book three right now. We were reading this just just yesterday. Uh, And... uh, book three is the one with the boggart. Anybody remember the bo- We all know what a boggart is, right? Um, okay, so uh, a boggart is, is like this terrible creature that takes on uh, the shape of whatever you're most afraid of. It's a terrible thing, right, to think about. Like, no matter who you are, it knows your fears, and it becomes whatever you most fear. And the only way to defeat a boggart? You don't know? Laugh, yeah, yeah, thank you. Thank you, I shouldn't know. Uh, you gotta laugh at it, right? You have to make it into something ridiculous, something that, that, that scorns, something that you have to turn your fears into laughter. That, that, that's how it's defeated. It reminds me of a few months ago, we were at Worlds of Fun with the kids, and uh, Eden, uh, our daughter, she's six, we were on one of the roller coasters, and it was a bit intense, and she's, you know, young and, and small, and I could feel the panic rising in the seat next to me, right? I could almost hear her thoughts of, uh, this is how it ends. Okay, Dad, I, I trusted you. Uh, thanks for nothing um i want a new dad um i mean that's that's kind of what's going on in the seat next to me and and i knew that i could feel it and so i just started laughing on the right as loud as i could not at her of course not but so that she would know that i'm not afraid and i even remember when the kids were younger in those moments when they're just terrified at something whatever it is right you often just like little things nothing right i would so regularly look them dead in the eye and say do i look afraid Do I look scared? And I'd usually make like a really silly face at them in that moment just to show I'm not not afraid. And the reality is, if dad's not afraid, you don't have to be afraid. And our dad is never afraid. Never once has fear overcome him. And he laughs. Disease. Do I look scared? I'm scared. Divorce. Infertility. Loneliness, depression, things that tear us apart. Do I look afraid? You think you're coming for my people? I'm coming for you. He doesn't, doesn't make light of our pain. Don't, don't think that for a moment. In fact, if you're, if you're wondering that, if you're feeling you need to read the Psalms. I mean, because here, I mean, this, we believe these words are, are God's inspired word to us, even though they're penned through other people, and we get their, their experience and their expression. But God gives voice to our complaints to him. I mean, isn't that amazing? Like, the God of the universe actually even gives us language in which to cry out in anger and rage towards him when we don't understand what on earth he's possibly doing. He does not make light of our pain. But he also doesn't promise to just wave a magic wand and fix it all, does he? to give us everything we want but he loves us and no matter what we face he's got this he he laughs because he knows how it's really going to end for his people and according to the psalmist here God laughs I mean the context of Psalm 2 God laughs because he's established a king and a kingdom um, and in that context, in the Old Testament, it's, it's King David, right, who has who come and established, like, rule and authority and, and brought order out of chaos there in that land for God's people. And yet, we know that David's not enough, right? Even by the time we get to Psalm 3, it's all starting to fall apart for David. We'll, we'll talk about that next week. And yet, the New Testament grabs onto Psalm 2 and says that the, the real king, the real king this psalm is talking about is Jesus. The one who, even though he was murdered, was, was not overcome. That even death couldn't stop him, and that he is at work now, and he will return, and he will make everything right, and God laughs. And if these things are true, then we can rejoice in our King. We can laugh with him. I mean, really, if you think about it, if this is true, right? If God has spoken, if he's begun the conversation with us, and if he laughs, how can we not pray? Verse, verse 10, the psalmist continues. He says, now therefore, O kings, right? Talking to those wicked kings. Be wise, be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. And as you look at the things that cause you worry, I have no doubt they're legitimate. Things that you pray about over and over again that keep you awake at night. Ask yourself, do I really believe God cares about these things more than I do? He he cares about your kid more than you do. He cares about you, your health, your marriage more than you do. He cares about the brokenness that that rips you apart that you see in our world. He cares about, do you believe that? He cares about it more than you do. And do you believe, whatever it is, that ultimately he's got this? So much so that he can look at it and laugh because he knows he's got this that none of our fears even stand a chance. And yet I forget to pray. Or I get too busy or distracted, right, or bored, because I make it all about me, et cetera, et cetera. But we cry out to a God who cries out to us. He speaks and he laughs, and he invites us into a relationship with him. And of course it's not easy. Of course there's no other relationship, even remotely like it. And yet he invites us to get to know him through his word. That's Psalm 1. And he invites us to submit to him as our king. That's Psalm 2. And so as we go through this series together, I'm hoping that there'll be plenty of opportunities for us to get super practical as we wrestle with this. Because we're all, I think we're all trying to figure it out. So if there's a few of us who are really good at this and who, who know how to pray and pray well and know how to commune with God and connect with him. But for many of us, we struggle with this. And so I'm hoping that there'll be lots of practical part. Steps along the way, but let me just give a simple next step from this morning. Just one thing to begin. Um, if this if this stuff is true, right? if we actually believe that th- these things are true, um, this week make time to pray. I know it sounds like a cliche already, doesn't it? Um, is that the best I can come up with? Well, yeah, it is actually. Um, make time to pray, and yes, the 30 seconds in the shower, um, the 30 seconds in the car on the way to work. That's good, that's right. I mean, just like. Texting your friend occasionally throughout the day is a good thing. Um, But when are you going to have a conversation? When are you going to set aside time to say, yes, I want to hear from God and I want him to hear from me. I know you're busy. Who's not busy? We use that excuse way too often, don't we? It takes such pride in our busyness and we think we're the only ones. (laughs) Are you kidding? We're all busy. but This isn't an option. This is a matter of life and death. Nobody's too busy to to eat on a regular basis. Maybe you miss a meal. Nobody's too busy to, to sleep or to drink water. Nobody's too busy to visit the oncologist when the doctor says you need to. The reality is I'm not too busy to pray. I'm too busy trying to fix all my own problems. I'm too busy trying to carve out my own sense of satisfaction and happiness in my life apart from any help from someone else. So here's where we're going to start, uh, particularly if you're new at this. Again, some of you, uh, you, don't, you don't need this next step because you're already doing this, and you've, you've found ways and rhythms uh, to be able to live into, uh, but particularly if you're new at this, and let me even just say, if you're not a Christian, um, I would invite you to jump in with us, um, to, to try this out, to see if, if you can also connect with this God that we believe is, is reaching out, who's, who's reaching out first uh, to you. Um, to do this. And so he, here's the next step. Just set an appointment, or an alarm, or a calendar, or a post-it note, or whatever you do to remember stuff, um, to pray 10 minutes every day this week. That's it. 10 minutes a day. It's really not that hard. For Some of you, it sounds like, oh God, how am I possibly going to pray for, you know, 10 minutes? Um, but you've already prayed, because you said, oh God. So um, <laughs> you can do this. Uninterrupted, uninterrupted to pray. And not just aimless thoughts, Okay, not, not just your wish list, okay, or your grocery list of ideas, not just dear Santa, I hope I get this. That's, that's, not, that's not what we're doing, we do. We cry out to a God who cries out to us. And so when you come to him, come knowing that he speaks, that he's already spoken to you. And so I would encourage you, start with his word. Don't start with your word. Start in, in this book, um, particularly a psalm. That's a great, I mean, if you wanna learn how to pray, go to the psalms. Start in a psalm and make those words yours as you bring your request to him. So come knowing that he speaks and knowing that he laughs. Knowing that whatever it is, no matter how hard it is in your life, that he's got this and he's not afraid. But not only does he speak and laugh, our God has come. He's not absent. I mean, this is what's so beautiful about all this. Yes, we can talk about the fact that God, that God speaks and that, that God laughs. Um, but without Jesus, it, none of it helps, really. Because um, Jesus is the ultimate word from God, the ultimate message of his love. Um, and redemption and plan for us. He is that word from God and he's come. And he's the ultimate king who uh, reigns even now in ways that are mysterious and, and partial and yet will one day fully, completely reign on planet earth as both our king and our God. And did you know that Jesus actually died praying one of the Psalms? It was a prayer that God, God rejected, actually. As Jesus hung on the cross, he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And as he bore the wrath of God for all of our sins, taking on everything I've ever done wrong and everything you've ever done wrong, his father turned his back because his sin was too great as he suffered the punishment that you and I deserve. But he did that so that you and I will never be abandoned. Jesus was rejected so that no prayer you and I pray will ever be rejected. We don't know how God or when God is going to answer them or how he's going to respond. And yet, even though God, yes, he seems distant, he has come to rescue us. And because he didn't stay dead, we have hope that in the end, in his way, in his time, how he wants, every prayer will be answered. Everything will be made right. And there's a day coming when we will be with King Jesus and we will... We will speak with him face to face and we will laugh together. but in the meantime we pray. let's do that now. God we we are needy people I am so God we we're desperate for you to intervene. God I'm so thankful that you have spoken that we're not left on our, on our own clueless without you but we we know who you are. You've, re- you've revealed yourself. You told us who we are and you've told us what you're doing in this world. For- forgive us, forgive me for the ways that I make prayer all about me. And God, I pray that we'd be less enamored with our stuff and more enamored with the God who laughs. And God, I thank you that that's who you are, that there's no fear in your voice, that you will, you will never be surprised and that you are bringing about your good end for this this world, even when we don't understand it, even when we don't see it. And so, Lord Jesus, our King, we pray that you would come. Come back, establish your throne, make it right. For we look forward to the day when we will see you face to face. We pray this, that you'd be glorified now in our presence.